Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Balance Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and I'm so happy that you're here. We are officially on episode 203 of the podcast, and at some point after episode 200, I'll stop saying that um, about every episode because I'm so excited to have hit such a milestone and that this community has been going strong for the last four years. You guys make me feel so special and so seen and our community makes this possible. So thank you for being here to talk about all the things from wellness to entrepreneurship to spirituality to lifestyle to psychic awakening, aliens, celestial things and very human things like blogging and podcasting and entrepreneurship and overcoming eating disorders, which is something that we talk about in today's episode with the beautiful Nicole, Nicole Kasheshian Modic. Please, Nicole, tell me that I said your name right. You are so beautiful. And I'm so happy that Nicole came on the podcast today. We went in a lot of different directions. We talked about building her blog and her brand, leaving her job as a lawyer in order to be a full-time blogger, becoming a mom, motherhood, and we get deep into her eating disorder and eating disorder recovery, which is something I'm so proud to talk about on the show. We haven't had an eating disorder or recovery-focused episode in a long time, and it's a very important topic that I really believe we should all be talking about more often, and I love Nicole's balanced approach to healing and the message that she shares with women on her Instagram and her blog, which is called Kale Junkie. So if you have not checked her out yet on social media, you will love following her. She's a food photographer extraordinaire. She's a baking queen. Everybody has to try her life-changing tahini chocolate chip cookies. They are so good. And just follow along with her. Also check her out on TikTok at Kale Junkie. She's so fun to follow in all the places. We connected on Instagram a long time ago, and we've just been supporting each other and rooting each other on ever since. She has such a down-to-earth, nurturing nature about her, so I love her page, and I love talking to her for so many different reasons. She is a badass mom, entrepreneur, blogger, potential soon-to-be cookbook author, we hope. That would be amazing for everybody who loves her. So check her out. And I'm so excited to get into all these topics and share our conversation with you guys today. And before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to remind you that if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast, on iTunes, then please do so and send me a screenshot to jordanatthebalancebond.com so I can thank you and send you my yoga ebook for free as a free gift. It really helps so much to have the ratings and reviews from you guys. It helps with visibility on iTunes and it helps more people find the show and it helps people know that it is a worthy podcast to listen to. And like I said, our community is what has gotten us this far. So thank you so much for being here. And I just want to thank you all individually and love you all up and collect you up into my life. Um, I'm obsessed with you guys. You could say that I'm obsessed. So before we get into the episode, I want to thank our fabulous sponsor, Public Goods. 
I am so obsessed with public goods right now more than ever because they are a one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products from home and personal care to premium pantry staples all in one place. So that's where we've been getting our shampoo, our conditioner, hand sanitizer, soap, um, basically all the household products that you can imagine. And that's because I trust them because they are sustainable. They're eco-friendly, vegan. You know, I have a lot of different properties that need to be checked off the list in order for products to be TBB approved. And they do the hard work searching the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products like sulfate-free shampoo, organic pantry items like their amazing organic pesto and tree-free paper products. My favorite products, like I mentioned, are the shampoo and conditioner. They're easy. They make life really easy. They have travel size. They have regular size. I love the hand sanitizer. I have one in our entryway. I have one in my purse and it's not full of nasty chemicals and additives so I can actually trust it. And I've also gotten a lot of pantry staples on there. Everything from salt-free nuts to nut butters to matcha, um, everything easy that you always need that you're like, wait, I didn't realize I was running out of this. And you don't have to run out of it anymore because Public Goods has it all. You can shop by personal care, household, grocery, vitamins and supplements, and pet. So I've been recently exploring their pet items. They have cat food and cat kibble. They have cat treats. And I feel bad even saying the word treats because Hudson's in the room and it gets him so excited. So you can shop by animal if you have a cat or a dog. And you can also get gifts. You can shop by zero waste. And I highly recommend checking out their candles. Their candles are sustainable, organic, they smell amazing. You can trust that there's nothing nasty in there that will fill your house with any fumes that you don't want. And they have easy stuff. Like everybody needs dish soap. Everybody needs kitchen towels. Like everybody needs reusable bags to go to the grocery store with. So search no further and head to publicgoods.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E to get $15 off of your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. So that's right. They're so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose, so I highly recommend doing it. Just go to publicgoods.com slash blonde or use the code blonde at checkout. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S.com forward slash blonde to receive $15 off of your first order. You guys will love. Now let's head into this episode with Nicole. Yay. Yay. Nicole, I'm so happy that you're here. I can't believe we're finally doing this after years of talking and chatting and feeling like we know each other so well, because we do, but we've also never met, which is wild. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so honored to be here. And like I've told you before, I feel like like in, in whether it's this life or some other past life, there's some connection that I have to you and to your 
your journey that you've been on, um, you know, whether your healing journey and just your, your day-to-day life, I feel like we've, we've crossed paths before. So I, I do feel this like spiritual connection with you. And I'm so excited that we finally get a chance to meet. I know we wanted to do this in person, but you know what? I'll just take looking at your beautiful face and we'll do this virtually. Yes. We will take what we can get in 2020. I almost forgot we had this planned in person in like February or March. And then obviously everything changed. I know the world looks so different now. The world is upside down, which I'm sure we'll talk about because I want to hear about how that's been for you and your life. But to begin with, I want to hear all about how you grew up, what your childhood was like, and what you thought you were going to be when you grew up, what you wanted to be. Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Um, so, in, so I grew up in a traditional Armenian household. Both my parents are full Armenian, and I went to an American school. I grew up in a very you know loving household. Um, my journey and kind of where I where I begin is around like 10th grade-ish when I was like about 15 years old, my parents decided that they wanted to send me to an Armenian school. They decided that they wanted me to learn the language, be more, be around people of my own culture and just assimilate with, with people of my own background. So I left all my friends behind. I, I went to this school in the Valley in San, San in the San Fernando Valley. And, um, little did I know that, the kids at that school had been friends, you know, since kindergarten. So they'd grown up together. They knew each other. So, so I was, was it like a kindergarten through 12th school? It was a kindergarten through 12th school. And it, it, it's, it's hard to explain because like our Armenian people in general are culturally are very close knit and they grow up together. So when somebody is kind of an outsider, even though I am culturally the same, it was a it was a big shock. So I was not, I was not welcomed. The girls were really mean. There was a lot of bullying. It was, you know, they didn't know how to accept somebody that was new kind of coming into their territory. And I would sit by myself every single day in the lunchroom, um, wanting so badly to be accepted and wanting so bad to be friends with, with people that I thought would embrace me with open arms, but didn't. And at that time, I, like I said, sat in the lunchroom and just kind of ate all this cafeteria food and day in and day out. And then, you know, after the course of a few months, I came home and uh, my mom actually looked at me for the first time and said, you know, you know, you've gained some weight. And that was actually the first time in my life where I actually looked at my body and thought, wait, is there something wrong with me? Or, you know, I had always just consumed food as comfort, but I didn't associate the two with um, weight gain or whatnot. And, you know, growing up, I did, my mom is, we have a very close relationship now, but I don't think she knew better. She was always yo-yo dieting and always, um, doing a rice diet and doing this diet and doing that diet and measuring her self-worth based on how she looked. And I think she was trying to help me in the best way that she knew how, but it was actually the most, like it, it turned out to be very damaging. So she said, you know what, why don't we go to Weight Watchers? We could go to Weight Watchers. I'll help you. You can lose the weight. 
And, um, I was really excited for that. I thought, okay, well now that there's something, you know, in quotes wrong with me, let's go fix it. So she took me to Weight Watchers, um, a couple of days later. And that was the point where I, um, for the first time was able to manipulate the way that my body looked by calculating different points associated with foods. And I lost that weight that I gained, um, in 10th grade really quickly. And then it became like an obsession. I started restricting food. And when I started depriving myself of things that I wanted to eat, I started binging because I I told myself I couldn't have them. So it spiraled out of control for so many years. And um, we can definitely get into that too, but I'll give you a, a chance to weigh in here if you want. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know the cycle so well and that's so challenging and it's, well, first of all, it's so sad to think of you going to the new school and not being accepted and with people of your culture, like that must've been so hard, especially at such a young age. And I can imagine it because I went to a school, a K through 12 school too, not an Armenian school, but um, K through 12 in Sacramento. And I was a lifer. I was there the whole time. And I know what it was like when we would get new kids. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not that they weren't accepted. It's just, it's so hard to come into this close knit, kind of like a family. And that breaks my heart. And so it seems so understandable to me that you would turn to something for comfort and and you turned to food. That's what I tend to do as well when life feels out of control and especially being at such a young age. It's so hard. So you started doing Weight Watchers, you lost the weight, but then it became an obsession. So how much longer was this disordered pattern of eating a part of your life? Yeah, this this pattern of behavior lasted, I would say, about 15 years. Wow. I... From the outside, nobody knew um, because physically I wasn't um, I wasn't uh, abnormally thin by society standards. So that I so I looked from the outside pretty healthy. No, nobody knew, but I did lose my period. I didn't have it for about fifteen years during this whole time. Um, it got to the point where I didn't think I'd be able to have kids one day. Um, it got worse. Uh, when I was an undergrad and when I was studying for the LSAT and when I was in law school, because those were all really high stress points in my life where I felt like I couldn't control anything. And the only thing that I could control was food. It was the only way that I could deal with stress. So, I mean, there were, there were times during law school where I'd go to school and I'd come home, I'd binge on gallons of ice cream because it was something that felt so tangible to me that I could do. And then I'd purge and feel some weird sense of relief. And that made me, oddly, it made me feel calm where I could actually sit down and study for the next five hours. It's, it was the weird thing where, um, but it was a cycle where every single day, this is what I needed to do to get through this really stressful time in my life. It continued into my law practice, which I'm not proud to admit because it's like you graduate from law school. um, I passed the bar on the first time binging and purging, which is ironic how I did it. Yeah. Uh, But 
you know, I was an associate at some big law firms and I was supposed to have it all together. And I didn't have it all together. I did. I took the path of, um, you know, going back to your original question about career path, like in my culture, in a traditional Armenian household, in general, Armenian people are, we're poor people. We are, you know, from a very small country that, that struggles to be recognized. And so my parents instilled in me a really strong work ethic where you have to either be a doctor or a lawyer. It's like, these are the two things that are valued in our culture and they, and brings joy to a mom and dad. If your if your daughter, or your son is one or two of these career choices. Mm-hmm. That's so, a lot of pressure. It's, a, it's so much pressure. And especially, you know, I have a younger sister. I'm the oldest. I didn't want to disappoint my dad. He came to this country with nothing and he's self-made and I wanted to make him happy. So I thought, you know what? Well, I don't, I definitely don't want to be a doctor. I mean, maybe a lawyer, I can, I can kind of get behind and I can make it a career path. It will bring him joy. But, you know, so it was a combination of kind of going down a career path and not having the ability to tap into my own interests and figure out in my heart what what career would bring me joy or happiness instead just kind of going through the motions and and doing things in life for other people in this case my my parents which is like the surefire way to be disconnected from your soul and what you want which of course perpetuates any kind of disordered eating or any pattern that is you know kind of your coping mechanism so when did you start to find healing and when did you realize that this was such a problem that you wanted to change? So interestingly, you know, I met Greg, who's obviously my now husband. Um, we've been, uh, we're going on our ninth wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. That's exciting. I know. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even believe it. I still look at him and I'm like, wow, we were just on our first date yesterday, but. <laughs> Time goes so fast. It's insane. Time flies. You know, when I met him, he knew that I didn't want to practice law anymore. And we met, we met through a mutual friend um, because this mutual friend said, you know what? I know you don't want to do law anymore. You should talk to this guy, Greg. He's really good with career stuff. So that's how we love it. Um, And then when we met, we didn't talk at all about career stuff. It was kind of like, I just was, I was so attracted to him and it was like this, like, it took off. So I was still practicing law and he did not know about my eating disorder. We got engaged and we got married and I was carrying this like secret. And it was like, I was honest with him in every single part of my life and my being, right? Like when you, as you know, like with your husband, he knows everything about you. There are no secrets. There are, there's no stone left unturned. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but with Greg, I felt, I knew that I could tell him, but I, I was embarrassed. I felt shame. I didn't want him to, to view me differently, to view me weak, to acknowledge that I had a problem. So One day we had already moved um, to the Bay Area. We just moved here. So about, gosh, I want to think about 
yeah, about nine years ago, if we've been together that long, um, I was, uh, it was late at night and he was in the other room watching something on TV. And I went in the bedroom and I grabbed a loaf of, I think it was like Ezekiel bread or something like that. And I took it in the bedroom and I was sitting in bed reading a magazine. I don't know why I was like, normally it would be like something like ice cream or cupcakes or something like that. But I was, I was desperate. I didn't have anything in the house. And I wanted to eat something. And so I brought this loaf of bread back there with me and I'm reading a magazine. I had the door closed and all of a sudden he walks in, like just startled me. And I, I kind of dropped what I was doing and he comes over to me and is like, what are you doing? Like very, it's like kind of suspicious. Right. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just eating some bread. Just eating some boring bread too on top of it. Right. So he picks up this mag the magazine out of my hand and what dropped down on the floor was like a half-eaten piece of this Ezekiel bread. And I was mortified. I was like caught red-handed by the person who is my best friend and my confidant and the person that I had promised and that I was so honest and so transparent with, um, and he, he catches me mid binge and he's like, what's going on? And he was, he was very kind and he was very supportive, but he also didn't understand. He didn't know how to support somebody. It's not exactly what he was thinking he was walking into when he opened. So, you know, it was, it was that moment, which was like kind of the turning point for me where I said, you know what, this is the first relationship where I'm, if I'm going to be, he's my husband. If I'm going to have a fair chance at a relationship that's pure and honest, this is going to be the one I need to tell him and, and come clean. And so the next few hours we spent, you know, me sharing with him, uh, what the last 10 to 12 years at that point of my life had been. Wow. That must've been such a weight off your shoulders after not talking about it to even the people closest to you for so many years. Yeah. That must've felt so relieving and scary. Totally. And I think, and and I think once I told him and I felt his comfort, um, he didn't know how to solve it. Nobody, a partner usually doesn't know what to do, but he was kind and accepting and loving, which made me feel okay sharing it. And so because the secret was no longer a secret is how I started to heal. It was like, almost like mentally, I took pride in the fact that I was carrying this secret around for me, with me for so long that there was, there was kind of nothing left. So at that point I decided, you know what, I need some help and I don't know where to turn, but this is the time to, to change my life, to change the things that I'm not happy with, which are my career, I'm down a career path that doesn't fill my cup or feed my soul. I'm coping with that through food and I need to find, find my way out. And ironically, I always had this, I had a passion for health and wellness. I always wanted to do something in that field, but I couldn't do it because I was suffering um, with my own issues. So Wow. So at this time, were you already blogging? Because you have your amazing 
account, Kale Junkie, and blog with like the best recipes, so innovative, most beautiful food photography ever. Was this not yet a concept or had you already started? Yeah, this so this wasn't a concept yet. So I started my recovery with therapy. I also did a yoga teacher training while I was still practicing law, kind of just knowing that I didn't want to teach yoga, but I kind of wanted to have something else to focus on. So I started my healing journey with the food issue first. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like my first thing I needed to tackle. And then with going to therapy a couple of times a week, there were, there was a book that I read that was, that was called brain over binge. That was really instrumental in my healing and the yoga teacher training and immersing myself into that. I started to move away from using food to cope with life's difficulties. And at that time, Greg and I had started to want to have a, have a kid and I still didn't have my period after all those years. Um, even when I was healing, I had, uh, put on some weight, healthy weight that my body needed to have, but I still wasn't ovulating. Um, I had to go through, um, three rounds of Clomid, which is a fertility a drug to basically induce my body to ovulate. So the way the doctor would would talk about it was like everything internally, your organs are working, but it's kind of like a pilot light. Like when you have a gas stove, you need something to turn on that stove. Like So we're going to spark that in you. So the first few rounds didn't work. I got super discouraged and felt like, you know what? I had damaged my body for so many years by binging and purging that I essentially took away my ability to have a baby. So it was a really hard time in like my relationship with Greg, because I know he desperately wanted kids and okay. I'm blaming myself for treating my body like total crap for so long. That's such a hard feeling. I know that feeling of just like, even just from a different point of view, with having Lyme, like it's this scary feeling of, am I healthy enough to have a baby? And when that's something that you want, there is so much, like, there's just so much emotion there around that. And clearly you got to a place where you have two healthy, beautiful boys. So was that another round of Clomid or how did that happen for you? Yeah. So the last round of Clomid actually worked. We were elated. We had, I think, three eggs that got, that were in me. And I real and I, the doctor said, well, there's a chance if you guys go through with this third round, that you might have triplets. <laughs> oh my God. That would be so wild. But I was, but I was so scared of not like, of if I didn't go through with that round, I was so scared of doing it again and not having any eggs and not having that chance. So we decided to take a chance and luckily we got one. Yes. <laughs> Cause Amazing. I mean, I would have taken two or three, whatever God gave me, but I think I probably would have had some type of breakdown. <laughs> Triplets. I don't know how people do it. Jonathan's, um, brother's, sister-in-law. I don't even know how to describe this. My sister-in-law's sister has twins and then also has two other kids. They're all under the age of five. And I see them and I used to want to have like four or five kids. And I'm just like, I don't know. That looks like a breakdown waiting to happen. Oh my God. So well, but it's like total chaos. 
Totally. I have, I have way more respect for anybody that has twins, triplets, more than one under a certain age. It's like, it's like, it's a lot. (laughs) For sure. And you juggle so much. So you have your sons, you have your, and I want to get back to your recovery too, but your family is so cute. You have your sons, you have your business, you have your husband and all the things. So, so you, you healed, basically you had your son and then are you still recovering from your eating disorder? You feel like you're in a healthy place at that point. Yeah. So, um, so after I had Gavin, um, you know, I started my Instagram account and it was, so he's five and a half now. So it's been like five and a half years since, since I started it, it was just a hobby and a place for me to kind of share meals, uh, that I'd make at home while I was home on maternity leave. And, um, after about six or eight months of just sharing food, I said, you know what? I, I kind of just, I was so afraid of showing my face because I grew, again, I grew up in this, you know, in LA where there was, there was, and also in a family where there was so much uh, pressure on physical appearance. I was embarrassed to show my face or my body or the person behind the food. But one day I did, and I started talking, slowly talking about my journey with food and, and I don't know what prompt, I don't know, I, I probably had no one following me, but I started talking about it. But at that point, I realized that there were people that connected with that message and also realized that there were so many women, especially that related to my story and that were going through it and also needed help and didn't know where to turn and that were suddenly asking me for advice and for tips. And so I thought, you know, if I can be of service in some way, if I can, I can still continue to create yummy meals and show how I feel myself and my body during this, you know, during my recovery and how I feed my family, but also weave in tips for how I've learned to accept my body, how I've learned to accept the imperfections, how I've learned to kind of deal with body image issues and, and how I healed from having, you know, from binging and purging for 15 years and turn my life around. I want to be that inspiration for other people. So that's kind of like how it started. And then I was, I went back to work and I think after I had, I don't, maybe 15, like 10 or 15,000 people that were following me was kind of when I started, I don't know about you, but when I started to get, um, some paid stuff and I started tracking my income for about six months. And I told Greg, I was like, I want to, I want to quit. I just want to do this full time because at that point I was sneaking into, um, the bathroom during my lunch breaks to post pictures of food. And I was kind of like, felt like I was like on the sly, like, doing all these things because my passion wasn't in my career. I love right. food and sharing and all these things. And he was like, you can't quit. Oh my God. That is like, <laughs> what do you mean you're going to do Instagram or you're going to do your blog or you're going to like, he also like just didn't understand. So I, so I tracked the income for six months and I told him, I'm like, I can do this. And it's kind of like the same advice that I give other people that ask me all the time, like I, as long as you have a marketable skill set, and I think you can speak on this too, like you can always go back to doing something else, but if you Definitely. don't, take, 
chance. Yeah. If you don't take a chance, you, you never know. And so, you know, I always tell people that get really good at what you're doing, what you're currently doing so that if you take a risk and you take a chance on something else that doesn't, that might not turn out how you want it to, you always have something to go back on. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's all about, you weren't happy doing what you were doing. So it doesn't matter how lucrative it is. The fact that you went to school for it for all those years, if you're not happy, it's never going to be worth it at the end of the day. Like you're either going to hit some kind of breaking point, or you're just going to live life where you're not feeling very happy and that's not fulfilled. And it's true. Like there's always something else to do or always something to fall back on. And I think it's so cool that you have your law degree and that you were a practicing attorney before this. Because when I think about it, like I kind of started blogging right out of college. I didn't really have a different job. And so sometimes I think like, oh, wow. And things... If things change in the industry, what would I do? And that's like a whole other separate question. But interestingly, like, but through that experience, I feel like I look at what you do and whether you start, you started out of college or whatnot, think about like all those years of experience that you have, like maybe it's, it's, it's coaching other people. You have so much knowledge and a deep, intimate, yeah, you have a deep, intimate knowledge of how blogging works, how partnerships, how how to really like, you know, there's always some skill set that you have from doing that, that you can always leverage in so many different ways, you know? It's so true. This industry is like where all my experience is for the last eight years. And I have to remember that because it is, it's a beautiful, it's a flourishing industry. And eight years ago, it wasn't an industry at all or a career path. And it kind of had just started to become one. I think when you got into your Instagram and Mm -hmm. I love that you said that after you had about 10 or 15,000 followers is when you started to have some more opportunities when it comes to paid partnerships and working with brands. Because I think a lot of people listening probably have that question. If they're starting out their Instagram accounts or their blogs, when is a um, safe and effective time to start leaping into it full-time. I feel like you're a good person to ask that question too because I'm very much like, I just fly by the seat of my pants. I've never gone off of like a, you know, you said you're tracking your income and stuff and like my husband wishes that I did that, but I'm just like, whatever. I just fly by the seat of my pants. So what would you say is like a good time for someone to consider to start doing something like this full-time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I actually didn't even know that um that that people charged for content. So, I had a a girlfriend that I met through Instagram that texted me one day and said, "Hey, do you charge for your co- do you charge?" And I was like, "Charge? Like what do you like <laughs> mean? Like, I didn't know. And then we started talking, kind of having an open conversation about money, which is always another, like, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but it's always like some weird topic that we just don't talk about in our household. I don't know why, but I, I, all of a sudden I kind of just, I didn't have peers to ask about like how much I should be charging for stuff. So I kind of just like would throw out like ballpark numbers. I kind of made stuff up. So like when a brand, after I had like 10 to 15,000 followers, if a brand reached out to me for, um, to create content or to give, offer me product, 
I would throw out a number. So maybe, I don't know, $300 for a post or something. And for me at the time, that was just extra income on the side that was coming in while I had my full-time job. But I think it's also like important too, and, and you could probably weigh in on this too. Like when you were starting your account, like you have to, cre- you create a ton of content for free. I, you know, since I do a lot of recipes, when brands would reach out to me and offer me free product, I took the free product and I, I thought it was very important to create recipes with that content for free and hope that they would repost it or find value in me as I grew down the line. So in my, in my, in my specific situation, I worked for a long time for a couple of years, it's obviously like not making a penny, but doing it for the pure passion of, I love food. I love creating healthier recipes of the things that I, that used to be forbidden to me that I can now make slightly healthier and eat and enjoy. So I'm going to take the, take the ingredients and, and share and post and tag them. But at this, but as I started to grow, and as you know, you can start to become a little bit more like picking and ch- picky and choosy about what comes your way. You can start to to charge more. You start to ask more questions about how the content that you create is going to be used. I didn't know when I was starting out that when you post something on Instagram, if they want to use your photography um, or your photos in their marketing materials or their ads and all of that stuff, that that should be something that is compensated to you. Right. They're using your piece of content to benefit them. Exactly. You know how that goes, right? Yeah. No, I, I love hearing you talk about this. I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I think it's so... It speaks a lot. It speaks volumes that you did it for a couple of years just because you loved it. And I did the same thing. And I think that I think most people who have found success in this industry have done something similar because it's about the passion and it's about the fact that you're doing it because you love it. And I think because it's become such a thriving industry now. A lot of people get into it these days with the goal of creating a career where when I started all those years ago and when you did too, there was no question. There was like, there was no such thing. And I remember the first time that I started receiving some free product and there was no... um there was no payment. There was no charging, but I was so excited to receive free protein powders. And I would spend hours like photographing and doing giveaways. And and it's great to build those relationships. Those are valuable relationships that I have to this day. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the first conversation I had with a friend of mine who worked for a swimwear brand who texted me and said, can we send you some product and what do you charge? And I was like, oh, um, well, if you're sending me free outfits, I don't think I would charge you. Uh, and she's just like, are you sure? And then of course, I put so many hours into photographing and went on vacation with those outfits. And then over time, you just learn. And this industry was new, but there was so much value in um, creating what is now social media marketing. Now it's a whole entire industry. And yeah, it's cool to hear more about your journey. And now you have 
so many people following you. You have you have close to two hundred thousand people on your Instagram. You've got this TikTok flourishing. You know, I like love every single TikTok video that you post, and it's so mutual. Though, I mean, your TikToks give me life, and they actually make me cry too. They're so yeah. I do some lovey ones. Like your whole journey with your husband, and I like from beginning to end, like to where you guys are today. And I watch that, and I'm like. Oh my God, my heart is like melted watching this. And now I'm like, okay, I got to create one too. But now I can't dig up all these photos. I know. <laughs> I, I'm such a photo keeper. I'm like very big on memories through photos and videos and stuff. So I just, I've always been the kind of person who spends hours digging that stuff up which is why TikTok is awesome because it actually gives me a place to like put it all. And I love TikTok because I haven't really, I haven't really branded my TikTok in the way that Instagram is so curated. I'm just like, I'm going to post some funny stuff. I'm going to post some love stuff, but you have like all your great recipes on there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I started TikTok, I obviously, and I, and I still kind of, I feel a little directionless with TikTok because I don't know what, how exactly I want to, what direction I want to go. But I feel like I've started to do kind of find my like, you know, focus and starting to do just only food. But interestingly, and I don't know if you've had this experience too, I find like people are not like very nice on TikTok. Like I, I post recipes like where there's like actually like I don't know how it's controversial, like when you when you actually just post a recipe for free designed to like help make people's lives easy. I know. But people say like the meanest things and I'm like, I have I don't know. I feel like Instagram, like every once in a while you'll get like I'll get, you know, a mean message or, you know, somebody who has a fake account will send me something or, um, or whatnot. And I've learned to just delete and block. Right. For whatever reason, I don't know. Like, it's like a different thing. So it's like, I think it's, it's a different age group for one. And I think, you know, on TikTok, it's a lot of like teenagers and preteens and, and it could be any age who's sending those messages, but I've always found that about YouTube as well. And now I see it on TikTok. The trolls come out to play and I don't know why, but it's so <laughs> funny. It's I've, I saw something funny the other day that, well, there's a lot of stuff going around like this, but it was like something that said, if you post that you love kale, then people will write to you, oh my God, how could you forget about romaine? And now you're saying that you hate butter lettuce. And that is a metaphor for what's kind of happening in social media in general right now, which is hard. So I like that you choose to block and delete and move on. It's so strange. (laughs) So strange. But I think like when I think about it, gosh, you know, I know I, I like you know, if my boys ever get on it one day, or I just think about like, you know, my upbringing and how I felt bullied with those girls at the Armenian school or how I felt, uh, how I wasn't accepted. And we're, you know, I, a big part of my work and what my passion is, is, um, raising awareness for mental health issues. And I think these causes are important to me, but it's, if you, you, it's hard to change what's going on in the world when I see, when I see bullying and when I see like mean comments, like it's really hard for me. Like I want, where's the, like, I just want everybody to be kind and loving and supportive of one another. I know it's idealistic, but like, 
if we want to create a better world and we want to have people treat one another with respect and love and change kind of, you know, what we're going through in this country, we do have to like shift and be kinder and more accepting. I don't know. It's just kind of like a tough thing for me to see. Cause now, you know, I'm almost 40. I like, I think I kind of have thick skin now, but you know, it's taken me many years and I don't want my, my boys to grow up that, that way. I don't know if it's hard to explain. No, I get it. I totally agree with you. I believe so much in love and kindness and that is what we need to change the world. And I get super overwhelmed on social media because I desperately want people to be nicer to each other and I don't want anyone to experience bullying. And it breaks my heart in a way that is like hard to describe because I just feel it on such a deep level. And I know that you do too, especially because you've experienced bullying yourself and probably most of us have it at this point, which is so sad. So yeah, it's crazy, but it's so interesting because you... You are a mom and I just watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Did you see that? Yes. Yes. So what is your, I know your sons are so young, but as they grow up, what's going to be, do you know what your policy with phones and social media will be with them? Oh my gosh. It's, it's so tough. Um, you know, because on the one hand too, they, they also see that I am on my phone quite a bit, but I, they're three, three and a half and five, five and a half now. Um, so when they do see me on my phone, I try to explain to them, uh, well, I guess first and foremost, I have boundaries. So when they walk through the door, I pick them up from school. Um, if I need to wrap up a couple of things on my phone, whether it's, you know, a few stories or something I need to do, I explain to them, you know, mommy's on her phone. She's going to post something for work and they say, Oh, for kale junkie. And I said, yes. <laughs> Is it for kale? That is so cute. I love that. For kale junkie. I love that they know. Or like mom needs dad to help with a photo. And then Gavin will say like, oh, for kale junkie? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he gets it. They're smart. They do, they do get it, but they also, um, they're curious about it. So they often ask me to see what's on my phone and, and I, and I share, and I share with them and I show them from time to time, but but after that, we put the phones away and then the rest of the evening is really just to connect with the boys. And, and sometimes they will say like, can we, can we look at your phone or can we watch a show on your phone? And, you know, once in a blue moon, I'll pull up something for them to some, uh, you know, a kid, a kid show for them to watch on my phone because it feels like a treat for them, but it's, but it's rare. And I think personally, I'm going to try to wait as long as, as long as I can to, to give them a phone because I, I want to encourage conversation. When we sit at the table, we don't, my husband and Greg and I don't have our phones out at all. We're trying as best as we can in this age of, you know, where, where technology and devices are everything to teach them young, that communication is really important. I don't want to see them face first in a phone where, you know, where I'm vying for their attention. So it's like, it's a fine line. So I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've, I've fully gotten to a place right where I know quite yet, but I just know that like, you know, it is something that I personally struggle with, like having them watch me on my phone, but also trying to set like healthy boundaries. Right. 
Yeah, no, that makes total sense. It's like the question of this day and age, how to really go about that. Watching the social dilemma made me think we, the future generations need to just like move away from what we have done with technology. And obviously beautiful things have come from it. We've both had careers based off of social media, but there is such an unhealthy addiction to technology and social media. And I, I kind of believe that, that our kids generation will be a generation that will have a much healthier relationship. I can only hope kind of moving away from this strange addiction that we've all gotten into. Yeah. And and I, and I agree with that too. I think like we've are like what what we've experienced over the last you know few years of like diving into technology and and social media and being like really glued to it. I feel like um, there's more talk about um, balance and trying to be, and, and human connection as being um, more important or comp, you know or equally as important as your you know you, you have connections online, but the the value of in person go, go out have a cup of coffee with a friend communicate face to face. Totally. So I do feel that and I'm hopeful. I think that's like what gives me hope for the future. I think so too. So you said you're almost 40. So that means you grew up really without social media, without computers, even for the most part, probably. Um, I'm ancient at this point. (laughs) I mean, I love you look so young, by the way, like you're glowing, your skin is beautiful. And I know that you've posted on social media that at times you've been insecure because a lot of social media influencers are like 22 and then you're almost 40, which is amazing. So just talk a little bit about that for anybody else listening who's around the same age. Yeah. yeah so I never thought I was going to turn 40, but in November, I'm turning 40. The big November, four, what? November 5th. Ooh, that's such a good day. Scor- I love Scorpios. <laughs> So we're good. Intense. We're a little intense, a little passionate, but I love it. But um, but yeah, you know, I uh, you know, I think it's really important to find you know your 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 target audience. So I talk about things that apply, I think, to um, to people in their late teens, twenties, thirties, forties. And I think 50s and 60s and beyond, there are there are women and men that um, one okay whether it's recipes that everybody wants to to eat and everybody's looking to improve their health, but if it's topics like body image and um, loving your body and, and the skin that you're in, um, that that applies at any age. So I just continue to um, you know my advice is or you know what I just try to do naturally is really just to be authentic and share my normal day-to-day routines and share that this is, you know, although Instagram, you have perfectly curated or curated photos that, you know, I try to have an accurate, an accurate highlight reel, I I guess, so to speak, right. Pretty photos that I like and that I take, spend time creating but um, real life behind that. And I think that connects with all ages. I think so too. Absolutely. Age is just a number. And I love love what you're doing. Um, 
So do you have a favorite recipe that you've made of all of your wonderful recipes? Oh my goodness. Well, I think it would probably be my life-changing tahini cookies. That's my favorite recipe of yours. They're literally amazing. I've had friends of mine, actually one of my best friends who I went to college with, she makes those and she's like, you know her, you know Kale Junkie? Because those are like famous cookies and they're so good. Well, I feel famous because I know you. (laughs) It goes both ways. It definitely is mutual. Those cookies are so good. I make them with the flax eggs and they're like insanely delicious. It made my day when you you made them. And like I I saw your husband eating them and it was so cute. And you guys just doing your thing. He's like eating them and... I can't make them. Well, I can make them. He eats them all. And so I need to make a double batch. But he does that with every time I bake anything. It's literally gone. I'm sure you feel that way with living with three boys. Yes. I I know people ask me if I always have all these baked goods in my fridge and my freezer. And I'm like, well, they kind of like eat everything. Like they're like, my boys are growing boys. And (laughs) someone will be like, well, don't you feed them vegetables? And I'm like, I do. They do. They still eat all the good stuff too. Yeah. Dessert. So they get both. That's so fun. Yeah, balance. Balance. Who are some people that inspire you on Instagram, on on or off of Instagram? Your number one. Oh, I'm so that. kind. I'm not, um, that 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 is. I mean, I think you you inspire people through your your journey, and you also are authentic, and you share um, you know what's going on in your life. You share your healing journey with Lyme. You give other people hope, and I think for me, when I look at who I follow on Instagram, it really is people that are using their platform for good or that have something inspiring um, and encouraging to share with other people. I love, I also love fashion. I love getting dressed up once in a blue moon. But for me, the most important follows are the ones that are good for my mental health. Um, I like uh, choosing Chelsea. She's someone who's really important to me with loving the skin that she's in. I like real, I love real foodology, always sharing the real, the real tips for, uh, you know, eating real food and the importance of that. And also um, some of the inequalities in our food industry and things that I didn't really know too much about or pay too much attention to. And also just different foodie accounts where I find inspiration for my own recipes. So Yeah. 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 There's so many. There's so many good food accounts. Yours really stands out. Your food photography, like I was saying, is so beautiful. I love like the colors and the contrast and shadows and things in your photos. It's just so beautiful to look at. You're so sweet. And I'm actually, and I'm really hard on myself. And I, because if we go back to like, you know, our, you know, I look back through like my first photos from Instagram. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. But I, I, you know, as much as baking and cooking in the kitchen was my therapy for healing, because it was just time dedicated to myself and chopping and baking was just very um, therapeutic to me. Uh, photography has also become that in the last six to eight months for me, where I actually find myself. I bought a nice camera and I find myself like 
just spending time and hours working on my photography, which is kind of like a different healing for me because food doesn't need to be that much. It doesn't need to be healing as much for me anymore because, because I I'm recovered from the, the food issues and the obsessions that I had. So now it's, it's nice to be able to kind of challenge channel that, that brain energy or those brain waves into, into something else like photography. Yeah. That's so fun. I know. I look back at my original photos too, and I'm like, what the heck? But things have changed. Instagram has changed. Like in the beginning of Instagram, it was all about using those Instagram filters that Instagram comes with. And like, Nashville. And I forgot what they were all called, but all of mine were filtered that way. But at the time it was so new and like innovative and it looked so modern, not as much now. It's so funny. So I want to ask you, yeah, I want to ask you the rapid fires that I ask everyone who comes on, what are your sun rising and moon signs? I know you said you're a Scorpio or yeah, you're a Scorpio sun. Oh my God. And I do not deserve to be on your podcast. Cause I don't oh know. yeah. Okay. A lot of people don't know, but you know what you can do? If you know, do you know what time you were born or do you have a way of finding out? Yeah. I was born at 5.42 AM. Oh, you. 1980. Should I look it up right now? Yeah, let's look it up while we're talking. And my my producer can always edit out the lag time if it takes me a second. Okay. But... Okay, so we're going to do this. So your name is Nicole. You were born where? In Van Nuys, California. Just like my husband. Oh my gosh. Date of birth is November 5th, yep. 1980. 5. 42. Okay, a.m. Yep. Okay. We're creating your birth chart. This is so exciting. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Okay. So your sun is in Scorpio, as we knew. Okay. Your moon is in Libra, which is my sun sign. Huh? Libra, Libra moons are like such special people. It's an air sign. It's like, that's why you're all about love and equality and being kind to people and finding balance and emotional, sensitive, like super nurturing, all of those things. And you're, oh, you're rising is in Scorpio. So you're pretty much a double Scorpio with a Libra moon. Interesting. I could probably see that. Yes. Yes. And then there's a lot more here. I'll send you your whole chart. But while we're doing this, because I'm obsessed with this stuff, we're also going to look up your human design, unless you've ever looked it up before. I have it. Okay. So human design is energy types and there's five different types. It's kind of like astrology, but to an even much more detailed degree. And it's all about how you exchange energy with the world, um, how you use your energy, like strategies for decision-making. It's so fun. And I have to know everybody's who is in my life. So we're looking it up. Okay. So five... 42 a.m. And we're going to do this. We're on myhumandesign.com for anybody who's listening who wants to look it up. Oh, you're a generator. Just like Jonathan. Just like so many amazing people. Okay, so generators, your strategy is to respond. But there's like so much here. I will send you your chart. Oh my gosh. Sacral generator. Your profile is one, three, which is the establisher of knowledge and truth. 
Oh, yeah. No wonder you are a lawyer. Love it. And there's so much. So I'm going to send you links to both of these places. Oh my God, how funny. And so in human design, there's also like an environment. Um, There's like valleys and mountains and all these other environments. Your environment is the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Places that are creative hubs where people can commune, whether that's literally a kitchen, an art studio or whatever invokes that creativity in you. Oh my goodness. So cool. It was like made for me. It like I know. Wow. Because human design is spot on. I've never, I've never met anybody who is not in alignment with their human design. Like, yes, you could be living out of alignment with it as all things, but inherently it's who you are. So you're a generator and I'll send you all the info so you can learn. It's so fun. Um, Are you a night person or a morning person? I'm definitely a morning person. I feel like I get my best work done like early in the day. I also wake up like an hour early before the kids wake up because I feel like I need to have my own private time to have my own little morning uh, ritual with my lemon water and then um, eventually my coffee. But yeah, I just need to have my time to kind of ground myself for the day and set my intentions. Love. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Same, 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 same. What is your favorite workout? You know, these days, I gosh, I used I used to love weightlifting and Barry's boot camp before quarantine and before all that stuff. But you know what? Now I feel like I've been doing. I've just been like walking for like long walks. That like my body right now. I kind of try to like listen to what my body needs, and I feel like in this uncertain time, my body is just craving. it's create, it's craving like more peaceful things. And for me, walking is that. So although I'm not lifting as many weights or I'm not like feeling super strong, um, in the gym, I'm feeling happier and more, just more aligned because I'm doing things that honor my body and that feel good in the moment. Yeah. I love that so much. So what's one question that you've never been asked that you wish someone had asked you? In an interview. Oh, my gosh. So hard. Oh my gosh. If I could do it all over again, if I could, if I could have any career, if I or if I didn't, if I if my parents didn't pressure me or make me pick between being a lawyer and a doctor, what would I what would I have done? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't even have the answer for myself. <laughs> I would honestly probably something creative. I don't know that I wouldn't have necessarily gone down the line of, you know, becoming a food blogger or a recipe developer, but I always had some type of creative energy in me um, where I, I would have loved to explore that and that, that I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to do. So I think definitely I would have done something creative. Cool. Just yeah. like you're doing now. Yeah. That's amazing. If you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? Mm, I think I like gold. Gold's my favorite color. Gold and like beiges and and golds. I think they're vibrant and they give off just uh, bold energy and passion. And uh, to me, it symbolizes kind of like sparkly and glowing. And that's just kind of how I view my, my personality too. Yeah, definitely. You're very gold. What's next for you? What's on the horizon for all things in your life and Kale Junkie? 
potentially a cookbook. Ooh, that would be amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of something that's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on behind the scenes and, and just kind of trying to figure out the next, I am just, you know, brainstorming day in and day out about what the next step of my, my business is going to be. My, um, I'm doing a major rebrand of my, uh, my website. So like right now I start, when I started, you know, again, I just had my Instagram and I didn't think about having a presence, um, online. And so I, I created a, an easy little Squarespace website, but I'm, that's all going to be gone in the next few weeks. I've been spending so much time creating something beautiful and having a really nice experience for people when they come to my site, it will have, um, more than just recipes, which is branching out for me too. It'll have a lot about, um, motherhood, wellness, um, career stuff, mental health. There'll be a lot of different things, um, on there too. So yeah, working on a lot of different things behind the scenes. That's really exciting. I can't wait to see your new website and your cookbook will be amazing. It's definitely going to happen. I love it. Fingers crossed. Yes. So, okay. So an Armenian question for you, because you are like the exact same age as Kim Kardashian. Did you ever, did you ever cross paths with the Kardashians? Well, interesting. So, so answer to me directly, no, but my sister actually used to work for the Kardashians. So my my sister works in PR and she graduated from USC and went, started working for a PR company where um, one of their clients was the Kardashians. And then when they found out my sister was Armenian, they made this Armenian connection, they hired her internally. And so she was like kind of like their right-hand person for many years um, before the, before, you know, life kind of changed courses for them. And and she went down a different path, but, but yeah, so I have plenty of Kardashian stories for you. Oh, I want to hear them all. I'm pretty obsessed <laughs> with the Kardashians. That's something that the quarantine has brought out in me because I yeah. was water fasting earlier in the very beginning of the quarantine when there's literally nothing to do but watch yeah. TV because there's no brain energy to like write or work. Yeah. It's just like zoning out. And my mom said, you should, you should watch the Kardashians. Like the recent seasons have been really good. So I've gotten so ridiculously into watching it for this whole quarantine. And I love them. Like people can hate on them all they want, but they're very smart people. Totally. Totally. They're fun to watch and and it's entertaining. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see like how my sister kind of grew up with them and, and where they are now. And, um, yeah. Wow. I'll have to get all the stories at some point. I can't wait to hear. That's very cool. Amazing. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. You can find me on my Instagram, which is at kale junkie, which ironically, there's hardly any kale, even though I do love kale and I do consume it often. Um, you know, it does go back to my, my story of, you know, when I started my account, it being kind of recovery and me posting lots of salads and things like that. But over time, as I healed, um, you know, you'll find a lot of baked goods mostly because those were things that were previously off limits to me that I now love and consume. Um, and I don't, I don't want to change my name, um, because I feel like, you know, it's always nice to remember your journey and where you came from. Um, so kale junkie on Instagram, 
my website's kalejunkie.com and TikTok to see more um, un, more uh, unfiltered uh, recipes and whatnot and over on TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is the best. Everybody, you must go follow her on TikTok and Instagram and all the places. Bye. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I love... Most of my TikTok videos are like... I'll have a comment from you, a comment from a stranger. And that's like it. Like TikTok is such a funny, amazing place that way. But I love that we follow each other and it's so fun over there. I kind of feel like when I watch yours, like I feel like I'm getting like some sneak peeks and things that you don't really share on Instagram. Yeah, it's very behind the scenes. And I I like it that way. I like to not, I mean, maybe one day, like I'll put more curation into it. But I like to just do stuff for fun. That's totally. what I'm trying to do more of. Not turn everything into a business opportunity, which is like so easy to do when you are your brand. Your brand is you. Totally. And I think like, you know, it, it's been an outlet to kind of just bring fun and bring more joy and less pressure into like our day-to-day and, and the work that we do in terms of like, you know curating our feeds and um, our, our businesses um, on Instagram, but it's nice to just have a place where we can share stuff. And I, that's why I like following you there too. It's just, I get to see more like fun stuff, like what, what you're doing and what you, like, I feel like what you, you, sh- you always share from the heart, but it's, it's always nice to just kind of see what you're feeling in that moment is what you, what you put out. Yeah, totally. I love that. Well, I'm so glad that we did this. This was so fun. I can't wait to see you in person whenever that day comes, which will be soon. I feel it. And I'm going to give you the biggest hug. And yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe social distance hug, but I don't know. I mean, I will go in for the real hug. I'm like doing the real hugs these days. I I think I need to go in for it. Yeah. I've been going in for it. Every time I see someone lately and they're like, are we hugging? I'm like, yes, we're hugging. That's me personally. And now everybody has a different approach. No, I need to just feel a little normal. It's so necessary for sure. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I I cherish it and it, it means so much to me. So thank you. Thank you, my love. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with Nicole. She is just fabulous and I could not love her more. I'm so happy to share her story and her beautiful message and her words and her friendship with you guys today. She is just a real one. She's a true blue human and I love her so much. Check her out on Kale Junkie on Instagram and beyond. And also, if you listened to this episode and you liked it and it spoke to your heart, then tag us on Instagram and tell us that you're listening. It's such a fun way to connect with you guys and to talk to you guys and kind of put faces to what's on the other side of the podcast. So I love it. I always repost when people tag me in stories of them listening to the podcast. And I also want to thank our fabulous sponsors of today's episode, Public Goods. You can find the links and discount codes in the show notes. Very happy to share these TBB approved brands with you guys. And I hope everybody's having a very Soul on Fire day. Come join us in our Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook. We will leave the link below. 
as always. And I hope everybody has such a phenomenal day. I love you guys so much and sending you huge love. P.S. I will be recording a solo episode all about Jordan 2.0, aka the next iteration of self and brand and all things. So if you have any questions, send them either via email or Instagram, and I will do my best to include them in the solo episode. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Mwah.